0: Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and today I'm excited to invite you in to the country of Dominica. I have Ryan Lane, our country director, with me. And Ryan first served with Samaritan's Purse in 2015 on the Disaster Assistance Response Team in Greece as tens of thousands of refugees flooded the country he served as the area coordinator and managed efforts to provide clean water, shelter, and critical supplies to hurting families. Now Ryan serves as the country director in Dominica. Samaritan's Purse established a country office there in response to Hurricane Maria. Thank you, Ryan, for making time to join me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So you started working with Samaritan's Purse in Greece. Yes. And during the refugee crisis. Can you tell us about that experience a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's, um, it is definitely a very unique experience it's a very unique situation uh, that, that's still ongoing now despite the fact that that samaritan's purse is not there anymore but in the the real initial stages of that situation um with refugees with migrants coming over um then it's it was a, a rush of humanity i think more so than anything else um and the the piece that i think makes it the most unique was just the broad diversity of individuals coming um, on Lesvos, one of the camps, Moria, uh, during the time that we were there, then there was dozens of different languages being spoken in the camp. Um, I remember walking through a, a part of the camp that was established specifically for people from West Africa. Uh, and you said, you know, bonjour to, to people coming through and one individual piping up and saying, you know, I'm from the Gambia. <laughs> I speak English. It's just the, the incredible diversity of, of individuals from all different walks of life, from all different cultural backgrounds and countries from all over the world that were in this very small place. Um, yeah, it was like nothing else that that I've ever experienced in any refugee situation. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge opportunity to, to be able to, to bring a lot of different people together and, and talk about Christ in new and different ways.
0: What prepared you for that role?
1: Well, I mean, the, the largest number of refugees were coming over from Syria and, and Iraq in that area, um, especially in the initial stages. And so before I worked for Samaritan's Purse, then I, I actually worked for several other different organizations across the world. But uh, pretty recently before that, then I'd spent a couple of years in Iraq and Syria mm. um, working with on, the, on that side of, mm. of the crisis in the midst of the Syrian civil war and the ISIS invasion of Iraq um, and so, you know, I think I, I really had a heart for that situation, um, and having the opportunity to work on the other side of that whole spectrum, the whole, mm-hmm. the, the journey, uh, I think was, was a real privilege. And if anything else, I think that probably prepared me for, for that.
0: Mm-hmm. And when did you know that you wanted to transition from serving in, in that environment to, um, working full-time with Samaritan's Purse?
1: Um, well, I got married, which was a, <laughs> a, a okay. part of that. Um, you know, I, I really considered myself to be working full-time for Samaritan's Purse, even in the midst of the mm-hmm. DART. Um, mm-hmm. I was there and back again and there and back again and there and back again. Um, but, you know, uh, when my wife and I got married, uh, they were like, well, you know, probably me popping all over mm-hmm. the globe with, without you is not mm-hmm. the, the best idea. And so, um, you know, Aaron Ashoff was the the country director, at the time, and and we had a really great conversation about uh, the possibilities of of working there. And so uh, it was really, you know, working for Samaritan's Purse was, uh, again, I've worked for several other organizations in the past, and and it was just a a different experience and one that I wanted to continue. Mm Uh, and so taking on a longer-term position there uh, where my wife and I could be there, be on the islands long-term and really just uh, be working in that situation, getting our hands into it was was a real privilege, and it made a lot of sense for us.
0: Okay. And you mentioned you'd been overseas quite a bit, and it sounds mm-hmm. like your wife, I know we talked earlier, she had been already overseas. So you guys were both all yeah. in to serve the Lord <laughs> yeah. overseas. Yeah. So that wasn't the issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it it was it was a logical continuation. Okay. and And, you know, things flow, things flow from one into the other if, mm-hmm. uh, if we allow them to. So it was good.
0: So talking about Dominica, mm-hmm. can you talk to us about that country and, and how it's different from the other countries that you worked in?
1: Yeah. Dominica, I think is probably the most well-developed country mm-hmm. that I've ever worked in. Maybe, you know, Greece aside, but we weren't really working with mm-hmm. Greeks per se in Greece. Um, it's a it's a very well-developed country. It's, uh, it's a place where you would not normally find an NGO of any kind. And, mm-hmm. and they had never worked with NGOs before. They had never seen NGOs before. They didn't need NGOs mm-hmm. because they were a pretty well-developed country. And so when Hurricane Maria hit, that was a big, I mean, it was a catastrophic blow. It was, you know, I know um, we talk about people falling into the ditches of life and that's about as big of a ditch as you can fall into as possible, um, and so having Samaritan's Purse come in there um, and be that initial contact with them, their first experience with an NGO was Samaritan's Purse. So, hmm. I mean, personally, I think that was a pretty, a pretty good way to introduce wow. them to the world of, of international aid with with a real emphasis on on love, right? On loving through through Jesus Christ, and and I think. That um, that whole dynamic between a a large group of relatively relative to the world, wealthy individuals, Um, you know, I wouldn't say that the island of Dominica is a wealthy place, but it's not poverty stricken Mm -hmm. Um, and very well educated group of people and very great work ethic and just, you know, good roads destroyed by the hurricane, but good mm-hmm. roads. And it was just the, the infrastructure, both physical and human there, was, was in place. They just got hammered. They hammer, got hammered really hard. And, it was, uh, and so it was a privilege, really, to be able to come in and lend a helping hand um, to a group of people that could, could have recovered without us. They could have stood themselves up, and they constantly were on an everyday basis. They didn't need us. Mm -hmm. We had the privilege Mm -hmm. of being there and and loving people in that way and having them be able to to accept that and just say, you know, it's not—there was no expectation. Just thanks. Mm -hmm. And that is a a really great and unique part about Dominica.
0: And so it's been almost a year and a half since Hurricane Maria. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us how families are still feeling the impacts of the storm you said it's a resilient community, but are they still seeing
1: yeah. the
0: destruction? I think destruction?
1: The, best, the best term that I can use is scars, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's a, it is a community that got hit very hard and they have recovered very, very well. Um, but you can still see the scars, mm-hmm. quite literally, you know, in the landscape is, um, you know, massive landslides that cut swaths through the countryside that even while the forests around them have grown back up, you know, eventually forests will grow into that as well. But those things are still there. Um, and rivers that have changed course and, mm. and cut new paths through the Island and things like that. And for the people, I think it's, it's the same way. I mean, there was a, a collective trauma mm. that occurred with the hurricane. Mm-hmm. People died. People were injured. People lost their livelihoods and their homes. They lost some people lost their entire villages you know, just whole villages wiped out and people suddenly diasporated around the, the island or off of the island or, you know, you know, forced in a way by the government to move to a safer place. But, you know, the village has been there for generations is suddenly gone. And so I think the long term effects of that are going to be multi generational. Mm-hmm. It's just the trauma is there um, and the, the long term rebuilding is going to continue to take time. So all of those things are still present.
0: It's like we. This is why we like hearing from the field because we don't Mm. think of the whole country changing,
1: right? Yeah, um,
0: and how it changes for years to come. So, can you tell us about um, the other projects Samiran's Purse is implementing within the country?
1: Yeah, um, we're we're wrapping up actually now our livelihoods program, Mm. um, and that's that's entering into its final stages, very successful stages, I might add. Um, but that, that was wrapped up in supporting fisheries, um, poultry farmers, and horticulturists, which is just a kind of fancy way of saying we've got a lot of greenhouses mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but all three of those programs have been, uh, they haven't been easy and they haven't been short, but they have been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, even in the time that I've been there, seeing eggs return to the market mm-hmm. and quarter of the cost that they were over the course of just a few months is a hugely hmm. uh, impactful thing. And so that's one uh, one piece that we have been doing that is wrapping up in a very successful way. Um, we also have a, a ministry program there um, that is a disaster preparation and mitigation program that specifically partners with churches, fantastic program uh, run by uh, one of our staff formerly of the Philippines, mm. uh, Lloyd, um, Francis Lloyd, and and he is doing a great job down there with that. The whole team down there is doing a great job with that. And that's just a very, you know, that's that's it's hard to take pictures of that one. It's mm. hard to, to put that one on a report uh, with with, you know, real concrete. Pieces, But what a fantastic job they're doing in really pulling the church together. You know, Our, our goal is to, to make on the island of Dominica, when something bad happens, mm-hmm. you go to the church. If something personally bad happens, you go to the church. When something collectively bad happens, where do you go? You go to the church
0: mm-hmm. because
1: the church are the ones that are, are preparing for this. And then, uh, and then aside from that, then we have two very large programs, a church reconstruction program and a home reconstruction program program so uh lots of really great very uh very obvious houses go up um and and people know that that they're samaritan's purse houses um there's whole neighborhoods of samaritan's purse Mm. houses now actually it's a samaritan's purse neighborhood Mm. and that's that's been great and the church reconstructions have been going wonderfully it's it's just it's a very edifying um you know very, very it's a it's a box, right? You're on an island, and so you can see the the results very tangibly there in front of you, and that's wonderful to see.
0: so you mentioned the ministry program. Are you all separated your your staff office throughout the island? You're
1: we have we, our country office is in one city um, and the the ministry program and the church reconstruction program, and then all of our support, our operations and support run out of that office. We have a satellite office in the north. Okay. Um, up in the Portsmouth area, uh, and that's where the home reconstruction is based off of, because that's where we we do that geographic area is where we do the the home reconstructions.
0: um, can you tell us? I know there's probably many, but can you tell us of a time where you you saw God really work?
1: Yeah, I'm there are so many. <laughs> there are so many. Um, but I, I think the things that that keep coming back to me are the the church reconstructions. Uh, every every time that a church gets rebuilt, we get an invitation. Right, mm-hmm. we get an invitation from the from the pastor to come to the reopening, the grand reopening, and and rededication. And it's it's every time that I go to one of those, then it's just it's a new and a different experience. You know, we we are a non denominational organization, so we we have the privilege mm-hmm. of working with all these different denominations on the island, of which there are many. Um, and each one is different. Each one is unique. Um, I'll tell you, it, you know, I don't think you've really seen praise and worship until you've seen a Dominican Baptist mm-hmm. church. That's something special and something very different. And and it's just so uh, impactful every time, uh, just to see people who have, you know, and this is a year and a half later. Their churches survived, mm-hmm. right? They, as a as a church body, then they were intact the entire time. They didn't again. They didn't need. This mm-hmm. building to mm-hmm. worship, they worshipped all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see a roof go up over your head, and that's oftentimes what I say during those reopenings, because I'll always ask, you know, someone from Samaritan's Purse to get up mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and it is, you know, you don't you don't need this building to mm-hmm. be a church, but it is nice to be able to get out of the rain sometimes. Mm-hmm. And and people are just, um, yeah, that's a moment in time every time. That is just, you can feel God working in the church um, and on the island.
0: So, Would you say the churches actually grew in size just because of the involvement <laughs> of Samaritan Spurs?
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, in general, um, then, you know, the, the churches by themselves um, have had a lot stripped away from them mm-hmm. in the hurricane. And, and, you know, when you have trauma like that, there can be anger and resentment, mm-hmm. um, especially if there's there's not a strong basis for that. But then the flip side of that is you get people who are in the ditches of life who, mm-hmm. you know, are experiencing something new and different and and not good. And as I think a lot of us experience, those are oftentimes the times where God speaks the most loudly to us. And so for Samaritans to, purse, to be there and to help facilitate that conversation when people are not just left out mm-hmm. in the cold wondering where mm-hmm. God is, mm-hmm. but to have somebody there helping and comforting um and and talking about Jesus while at the same time helping to rebuild mm-hmm. is a very important and powerful thing. And, and because of that, not only have the churches regained uh their their congregations, but uh, I think I think they have grown and they're definitely stronger mm-hmm. um, and for for the whole situation. so That's yeah. great to
0: hear. Um, and in wrapping up, I know you spoke at devotions this morning. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing um, a couple nuggets that you <laughs> shared with our audience that didn't get to be there?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I think kind of going back to some of the things that we've been talking about, the thrust of of my devotion this morning was answering the question, why? Um, I talked about being on Dominica and you know, people ask a lot of questions hmm. uh, of can, can you do this? Can you build my house? Can you build my roof? Can you build my church? Can you build my fishery? Can you do this? But the most common question that we always get is just a, a curious, like, why are you here? Because hmm. again, they never had interaction mm-hmm. with NGOs before hmm. uh, of any kind. And so when we're the, that first experience that they've had and the only experience that they've had and they're asking like why would somebody come across mm-hmm. the ocean why like why mm-hmm. are you doing this why is samaritan's purse doing this um and so i think that that was an introspective moment for me like why are we doing this mm-hmm. what you know, what what is the reason and you know i think uh a big part of that going back to scripture is you know why do we do this well we we do this because we love people we do this because we were commanded to love people mm-hmm. because that is, you know, when, when Christ boiled down all of the law and the prophets, he boiled it down to love God and love others. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's, that's good. So he can put that, put that up there and say, okay, well, we're supposed to be loving others. Um, and, and we do that because God first loved us. So going mm-hmm. to that verse and saying, okay, well, God first loved us, and so we we're supposed to love each other well we're not just supposed mm-hmm. to love others or we're supposed to love each other well the way that God loves us. Mm. Well that's that's pretty intense. So that's, you know, all together it creates the basis but that's that's something that we I think as Christians we we ha- we almost take for granted. You know, that's that's bible school. Mm-hmm. You know, we 101 it mm-hmm. is we love we love God, we love others, we love uh, as as Christ has loved us. Okay, gosh, that's that's difficult. And so from a practical perspective, how mm-hmm. do we do that? Mm-hmm. How do we actually live out this, this why um, we're, we're doing it? And um, it, when I was in Greece, actually, then I was reading in the book of Acts. And it's something that stood out to me there that had never stood out to me before. And it's in the story of Paul. Uh, when he's on the prison ship. Mm-hmm. So Paul's arrested. He's transported across the, the ocean. They're going to Rome, and they they get shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the what the verses say, that, I think it's in Acts 27. Um, what the verses say there is that they, they pulled themselves out of the water onto this island, um, and the locals there uh, built them a fire because it was raining and cold outside. They showed them unusual kindness. And it's just—it's a— transitory verse, right? It's, it's not the point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. a way of like saying, well, then they were on an island. And yet it just stuck out to me. And, and every island that I've been on now, mm-hmm. then it stuck out to me more and more and more, maybe because it takes place on an island. But it's just this little, little tiny transitory mm-hmm. verse before you get to Paul getting bit by the snake and, mm-hmm. and suffering Ill, no ill effects and all of that. But, you know, I keep coming back to that because it really shines out to me because, it's, because there is no expounding upon it. The locals built them a fire and were kind to them. A group of waterlogged prisoners and soldiers stumbled out of the ocean one day, and they were mm-hmm. like, hey, mm-hmm. well, let's build you a fire. Why? Because it was cold.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why, why, else do you, why else do you do anything? It's raining outside, and it's cold. And that is the encapsulation to me of the why behind living out that love that we are commanded to do. And that, I think, uh, just sticks out to me again and again and again. You know, we are Samaritan's Purse. We are called to to share the love of Christ with people across the world. Why? Because it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all that we need. That should be all that we ever need. People have a need, and so we are there to fill it. Mm-hmm. Um, because the need exists, and that is what someone who loves someone else does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing today and um, just putting a spotlight on one of our projects, we appreciate it. And audience, I think this helps you to more specifically pray and partner with the staff in Dominica. So thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you.